Hey, can you tell we got a baptism today? Excited. Tom's come to get baptized today. Excited about his spiritual journey, and we get to be a part of it. And I'm glad that you're here this morning. Glad for. uh, Do we have online going? I just want to make sure. Glad you guys are with us today too. So let's go ahead and just open up in prayer real quick. Father, um, it is a beautiful day outside. But with your spirit in here, it's a beautiful day inside. We find joy and we find peace. We find happiness. We find love. We find life together in Christ. And so we just pray, Lord God, that you encourage us to continually give you praise today for that. We love you so, and we're just grateful that we get to gather together to honor you. We love you, and Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, please stand. Let's worship.
the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he still holds a victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. My God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We'll shout out your
Kids, you may be dismissed. Adults, you may have a seat. Teenagers need to stand or sit, whatever they want to do. The uh, company by the name of Apple rules electronics, but they can't rule our heart. They can have the updates that throw us off, but that won't stop us. Amen. In case you're wondering what was going on, it was Apple updates. We're, we're blaming them for everything. Did I tell you we have a baptism today? I love it when somebody comes to know Christ as their Savior and they want to let the world know that Jesus Christ is just that, that they've been trans, trans, transformed, there we go, by the Holy Spirit. Changes his life. Excited. Excited. So we are in a, a sermon that I thought I was going to be able to fill out today. This will be a little shorter than I normally go, but we have a baptism anyway, right? Because i got to finish it next week. So you're going to have to come back and get the second half of this, this, this sermon. Um, this is more story form today than it is sermon. So give me a little grace because, again, as I said millions of times, I'm not good with telling stories. Angelo, if he was here, we would have him tell the story because he's good at stories. But he's not, so you got me. The Jews of the Old Testament were not an uneducated people. They understood um, science. They got, understood the cycles of life, and yet they still believed in Yahweh, the God of the pharaohs and, the, and Moses. Every year, the Jews would fulfill the three pilgrimage festivals that God required. There was the spring feast of unleavened bread, which celebrates the exodus from Egypt, and they associated this festival with Passover, uh, this was the beginning of the barley harvest. So they would begin to harvest the barley after this festival. Seven weeks later, they would celebrate the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And this takes dur place during the wheat harvest. So right before the wheat harvest, they would have this celebration. And then later in October, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. And that was the end of the harvest. So they kind of connected their um, sustenance with God. So they, they, they did worship God in that way. And during the festivals, the Jewish people would purify themselves as ritual required, and they would renew their covenant with Yahweh. S several of us have done that over the years. Have, have we not renewed our covenant with God? Okay, I'm the only one. In this renewal, there was lots of singing and dancing, dancing accompanied by string instruments, and they would make their way to the temple with that worshipful spirit. And they would fast to humble themselves before Yahweh, and they would present a burnt offering on the altar to cover their sin. 
And they believed that, whoops, I almost skipped a part. And then they would uh, contribute to the sacrifice to the sacrifices by giving offering after offering after offering. So they would, they would sing to the temple. They would purify themselves. Um, they would fast to humble themselves. They would present a burnt offering to cover their sins. And then they would just give offering after offering after offering to God. And they believed that these acts pleased Yahweh. And it made them happy too. But they also believed that there were other gods that made things grow to increase their harvest. As farmers, they understood that seeds transformed to sprouts. Sprouts transformed to tender stalks. Tender stalks transformed to a harvest of wheat and barley. But nothing would happen without one thing. There was one thing they had to have to make everything happen. And that was rain. Rain must fall. And this Yahweh they worshipped is the God of victory over enemies, delivering them from bondage. But Yahweh, they didn't believe, brought rain. There was a God named Baal that through agricultural science made sure that things grow. So to them, this was the science of farming, which I thought Charlie and Tess would love this sermon today. The Jews in that day understood that the, they understood the rhythm of seasons and the mystery of fertility revolved around this god, Baal. And through the science, they believed that they could cause growth year after year after year with their science. And as they planted and planted seed and they bred animals and they all believed it was happening because of Baal. Baal was the lord of the rains to them. He sent rain to fertilize seeds, to feed animals, to breed more. And it was Baal that sparked all fertility and assured their survival and prosperity. He was known as the rider of the clouds because he brought rain. But their science was more complex than that. Their science included a god named El and his wife who gave birth to many other gods, including Baal. But Baal didn't get along with his brothers and sisters very well, and he killed them all. And he became the most powerful god. He defeated the god of the sea, Yam, and he defeated the god of death, Mot. But he didn't do it alone. He did it with his sister named Anath, who was the goddess of war. You always have to have a goddess of war. Let's not talk about your marriage. That wouldn't be appropriate. And his wife, Astarte, the goddess of earth and fertility. So Baal had help in this battle. And this ended up giving Baal power over the storms and the seas so he could annually bring renewal and blessings to the earth. But each year in winter, and I don't know how this worked because Mott was dead, but he's the god of the underworld. But each year Mott, the god of the underworld, would kill Baal. And then every spring, Anath would kill Mot, allowing Baal to rise from the dead and escape the underworld. That was their science. I'm just telling you, that's, that was what they believed was true. He would return, Baal would then return to his palace and prepare to water the ground, fertilize the seed, and restore life to the earth. And this would happen every spring. So Mot brought winter as, it killed, as he killed Baal. And as Baal was killed, or as Lot was, I'm sorry, as Mot was killed, then Baal could rise from the dead and bring spring. That was science. Now, the problem is Baal didn't do this by himself. He didn't bring water by himself. He, 
upon his resurrection from the dead, his wife Astarte and he would engage. And I know there's kids in the room, but they're just going to, I'm sure they've watched worse things than what I'm about to say. But they included uh, sexual intercourse into their, into their God. And so Baal and Astarte would engage in sexual intercourse. And if Baal succeeded in getting her pregnant, the rains would come and, and surrender their fruits to the earth. And their families, when that happened, would eat for another year, pay some taxes, put some money in savings, and have a, just to have a good year. Isn't that kind of what everybody's goal is, to be able to put some money in savings, to pay your taxes, and to have a good year? But if she doesn't get pregnant, Baal would get angry, and the rains would not come, and they would starve. So with Baal's success wasn't left to chance, and the people played an important role in getting the rain to come. For Baal to pour down rain, he needs to become aroused so that his wife becomes pregnant. This was not, this might be an R-rated service. I don't know. I didn't think it was. And when I wrote it, I didn't think it was that bad. So every year, men and women would go to sacred places dedicated to Baal and his wife, and they're marked by groves and high places. And they would sacrifice sheep and bulls as they did with Yahweh. And there they would engage in sacred prostitution with the hope of this arousing Baal, and he would impregnate Astarte. Are you with me so far? Are you ready to leave? Literally saying, their worship, if their worship succeeded, Astarte would become pregnant, Baal would send rain, and the earth would bear fruit, and things would be good. Life would be good. And their efforts dictate how good of a year they would have. So they were excited to participate in this act of false worship, of a false god. And they were excited to do so. Because they got to participate in whether they would have a good year or a bad year. They got to participate in whether they could move God to do what they wanted God to do or not. Not Yahweh, Baal. They did believe they could worship Yahweh and Baal and Astarte separately. But they also must respect the boundaries of the gods because each god had their place. Some parts of their lives belonged to Yahweh, and some parts of their life belonged to Baal. Yahweh to them was the God of salvation. He was the one who fought and defeated Pharaoh and brought the people into this land, and he broke down the walls of Jericho and scattered their enemies. And when their nation was threatened, it was Yahweh, the miracle-working God, that they called upon. But Baal was the God of sustenance. He was the farmer's indispensable friend. Without their science, they would die. So they really had two gods. The problem was Yahweh and his prophets kept saying there's only one God. The God of salvation is the same God of sustenance. The God that saves you will take care of you. But they still believed in Baal. It's not that the Jews didn't believe in Yahweh. They just believed in other gods. And you'll see that throughout the scriptures. If you read your Bibles, you'll see it throughout scripture time and time and time again.
where they would worship God, but they would worship idols. They would worship God, but they would worship Baal. They had two gods in their life. Now, if you've been hanging with us for a while, uh, Israel was in the midst of a drought because they worshiped the idol of Baal. So God brought a drought upon them, but they thought it was because they upset Baal. And throughout the scriptures, you'll find this is a, a, a struggle for Israelites, leading to numerous challenges by God. God constantly challenged the children of Israel to worship him as the one true God. And we start in Judges chapter 6 and verse 31, where if you remember last week, Gideon had cut down the groves and he'd cut down the idol. Cut down their idols. And so here's where it begins. Here's where we're going to begin today. 31. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. What he's saying is let your false gods prove themselves if they're really gods or not. Let your false gods prove themselves. If they're really true, if they're really real, let them prove that they are more of a provider than God is a provider. So that's really the message today. Who is God to you? And is the false God that you may be, ha may be relying on or trusting in actually true or not? One of my favorite examples of this illustration of letting Baal defend himself or letting false gods prove themselves is the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Israel was in the midst of another drought, a season of chastening for worshiping Baal. And that's what God would do. If they would worship false gods, he would chasten them by bringing a drought. The rain wouldn't fall. And Elijah called all the people together to Mount Carmel to prove once again that he was God. And on top of the mountain, he suggested they prepare a sacrifice for Yahweh and for Baal. And the God who sends fire to consume the sacrifice would be the one true God. Many of you know this story. So Elijah gathers God's people together and he says this. He says, Elijah came near to all the people in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And he said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Either Yahweh was the one true God or he was going to share deity with Baal. Now, if he shared deity with Baal, that meant that Yahweh would have a limited responsibility and limited power. He would be limited by his uh, abilities. He would be the God of salvation, but he would not be the God of sustenance. Are you with me so far? He would be the God of salvation, but not the God of sustenance. We would have to rely on Baal to provide for us. So Elijah invites the prophets of Baal to call upon their God, and they offered a, a bull on the altar, and God organized for prayer, and they began to beg Baal to prove himself. All morning long, they begged Baal to consume the sacrifice, but nothing happened. Elijah became taunting their priests. He said, maybe your God's off thinking somewhere. Maybe your God went down the hill to go to the bathroom. I mean, that's really what the scripture says. Maybe he's on vacation. 
Or maybe he just can't hear. Maybe you just need to get louder. And the principle was, do more and maybe your God will show up. Do more, do more. Have you ever heard that? Do more. But Baal, though insulted, did nothing. In desperation, the prophets of Baal started cutting themselves and causing children to cry, women to weep, and men to puke. Because it was a very graphic, gross uh, um, moment as they're cutting themselves and bleeding all over the place. Now there comes a point to where Elijah in this story literally tells the prophets of Baal to get out of the way. So he prepares an altar for Yahweh. And he digs a trench around it and he arranges the wood and puts the sacrifice on the altar. And he asks men to pour water on top of it three times. Just drown it. Just drench it. Make it almost impossible for God to light the place up on fire. And then Elijah prays this one simple prayer. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know you, O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their hearts back. When he prayed that prayer, the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And soon after God's people repented of their sin of worshiping Baal, the rains began to fall again. Once they repented, the rains began to fall. Yahweh was the God of salvation and sustenance. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But it wasn't long before the Jews would begin to worship Baal again. In fact, after Gideon's passing, they started to worship the Baals again. And if you continue to study the history of the Jewish people, they, they continued to trust in false gods for their sustenance while believing in the true God for salvation. And they were taken away off to a foreign land, put in bondage. Then 70 years later, they returned back, but, and they never worshiped Baal again. Not, not in that way. They got, they got the point. Sometimes God has to discipline us to teach us that that's a false God. I mean, it's out of love. He says, that's not, that's not the one, the true God. And the picture I'm trying to portray here is the problem with idolatry isn't that you stop worshiping Yahweh. It's that you just make him another God. And you believe that you can motivate him or manipulate him into blessing you by the works that you do. Because that's what they were doing. They believed that if they did what they did with the, with the if they did what they did with the uh, sacred prostitutes, that they could force God to bless them. In the days of Jesus, the Jews didn't worship the Baals, but they did worship their religion. They had a God who had saved them, but a God who through religious acts of their own would force God to sustain them. Like having relationships with sacred prostitutes, they believed that their efforts of upholding the law of God would motivate God to pour rain down upon them. The law became their God. They believed that adhering to the law, they would achieve salvation and spiritual blessings, yet 
What's funny to me is they lived under Roman rule. Meaning their God wasn't much of a God if they're living under Roman rule. Are you with me so far? They believed in the God of salvation, but through their performance of acts of religion, God would sustain them, supply them, bring rain to them. Like the Jews worshiping Baal, their works of worship would force God to pour down the rain. They didn't do it because they loved God. They did it because they were trying to get something from him. This became a problem in the early church where professed believers in Christ began to believe that you were saved by works of law, not by the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, Paul says, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, there are those that will try to bewitch you into saying you can force God to bless you. Can I just make this very clear? God wants to bless his children without being so perfect. But we think that we have a part in getting God to sustain us if I, if I just do more. So I love the question, did you receive the Spirit of God by works of the law or by hearing of faith? I don't know about you, but I was saved by grace through faith, and that not of myself. It was a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So I, I can't run around and say, look, look at what I've done to earn my salvation. Did you begin in the Spirit, but now you think that your works can motivate God to perform miracles by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Some of you started out by grace through faith, but now you've gotten into more of a works type life. If I just do more, if I'm just better, I don't know if you've tried that, but it's not very helpful, not very, because the problem is is we still struggle with sin because we're in this stupid flesh. I still like to eat more than I should, and so I'm still struggling with gluttony. I, I pray that God would take it away, but then you drive by McDonald's and you think quarter pounder with cheese, that would be good. Do I look like I need a quarter pounder with cheese? No, I don't need a quarter pounder with cheese, but I got to have one. And I, yeah, you don't just get one, you get two. And I'm only going to tattle on him because Angela the other day was on the phone with me while he was going through one of the drive throughs I don't know where, but he got two cheeseburgers. And I said, so did you get one for your wife? He says, no, they're both for me. Now, Angela's skinny, so he probably needs two. Like the Jews in the days of Gideon, there's always somebody who will seek to convince you that one God is not enough. There will always be somebody who will offer up science for sustenance. 
instead of letting God sustain you. And we're stopping right there. Because next week we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And so you want to read Matthew chapter 6. And what you're going to find is God wants to take care of us. But if you're worshiping a false god. If you're looking to anything else to be your sustainer in life. He's going to pull back the rain. And you're going to start to starve. And you're going to think if I just did more. And he's going to say this. this. Second Chronicles 7 verse 13. When I shut up the heavens that there be no rain or command the locusts to devour the land. I'm sorry. Or command the, the economy to devour the land. Or send COVID among my people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. You know the verse. I'm going to read it one more time. When I shut up heaven so that there be no rain. If you're living at a time in your life where it seems like things are, you're starving. Like you're starving for love. You're starving for life. You're starving for liberty. I'm not sure exactly what you're starving from. And you're thinking, if I just did more, or if I just worshipped, like if I, I, I think about jobs. Some of us worship our jobs so much that you would never miss a day going to work, but you have no problem missing a day of worship. I'm talking about getting up in the morning and reading your Bible and praying and giving God praise. I just forgot what I was saying. Oh, if I just worked more hours. Have you ever noticed the more hours you work, the more taxes they take? Amen? You ever notice that the more, hour, the more work that you work, the t more tired you get? Have you ever noticed the more work that you do, the less joy you have? The less time you have? You don't gain, you lose. I worked one holiday one time at the, at the paper mill where I, I worked basically two weeks straight through the Christmas holiday, which was double time and a half for Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Day, and New Year's Eve. It was awesome. I grossed, this was 1988, I grossed $8,000 in two weeks. You know what I took home? $3,200. I was really angry. But I, but I thought if I just work more, I'll just, I'll, I'll make more. If I make more, then I can do more. But you just got to work more. I'm not saying don't work hard. Please don't take that as an excuse. <laughs> I got to be careful of this generation. But it's God that wants to sustain you through work. It's God that wants to take care of you. That's Matthew chapter six. So just read that this week. But let me read this verse one more time. When I shut up heaven that there be no rain, meaning when I'm disciplining you, that's what God's saying, when I'm chastening you because you're worshiping false gods. And I command the locusts to devour land and send COVID to, among my people. If my people are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and pray. That's all he's saying for us to do is Pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know what? This is exactly what Elijah, Elijah did. 
Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And the next verse says this. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. I said all of that today to get you to this point. That I believe that if you're struggling with a dry season in your life, whether it's financially, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're going through where you just feel like you've got to do more so that God will bless more. I want to encourage you to humble yourself. It's not in your works. It's in his works that he's going to bless you. And pray. This, this is what scares me about this generation. Y'all don't believe in prayer. Y'all pray, but you don't believe in prayer. You pray lots, but you don't believe that God's going to answer. Because if you just prayed more, then maybe God, God heard you the first time. And seek my face. Like, want to know him. Want to, like, listen, I seek my wife's face every day. Every day I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I get up. She does not get up that early because she goes to bed about 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. I can't wait to see her face. Every day, been married to her for 38 years. I still, every day, I want to wake up and I want to see her. She's the first one I want to see. If I see you earlier in the morning, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm seeking her face. I want to see her. I want to know her. I want to be with her. Seek my face. That's what God's saying. If, if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn from worshiping false gods, turn from trusting in anyone other than God, then he will hear from heaven, forgive the sin and heal the land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Let's stand. What prayer do you need to pray today? What prayer do you need to pray today? What, what do you need to come to God with? What prayer of repentance do you need to pray? What prayer of provision do you need to pray? What are you lacking that God says, I, I will take care of? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That's Matthew chapter six. What do you need from him? Let him be your God and you be his people. But stop trusting in other false gods. Or let your job prove that it can save you and sustain you. Or let your political party prove that it can save you and sustain you. Or let your children prove that they can save you and sustain you. Because the truth is, none of that can happen. But God can. And God wants to. And right now, his eyes are open and his ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's just take a moment and pray. Humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I need daily bread. 
That's one of the prayers in the Lord's prayers. Give us this day our daily bread. Be my God. Seek his face. Say, God, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to see the one true God. I don't want to see all these false gods. Let me see you. Let me experience you. I'm, I'm searching for you, God. I'm wanting to know you. Or maybe your prayer is, Father, I've trusted in things other than you. And I want to repent of that. And God is listening and he's hearing from heaven and he wants to forgive your sin and he wants to heal your life or your land. He takes no joy in disciplining his children. What he takes joy in is when his children trust him. Do you believe God's listening to you right now? Father, be with these people today. I know that was not a PG version of the scriptures. But sometimes we need to be awakened to the fact that we're worshiping false gods. And Father, maybe that, uh, maybe I'm Jerubbabel in some of these people's lives. Maybe they, and, I, and I'll just say, I know that they're false gods will not be, are not true. And if my role in their life is to call out the fact that maybe they're worshiping the wrong thing, that you are the God of salvation and you are the God of sustenance. You are not only our savior, you are our provider. And when the rest of this world goes crazy, like it is right now, your people who are called by your name, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, you will hear from heaven. And you will take care of us in ways that we can't even imagine, but we can't, you won't do it if we're worshiping false gods. If we're worshiping the science of humanity instead of following the spirit of humanity the spirit that indwells us through Jesus Christ. I know in my life, Father, I need you. I need you to hear me when I call upon you, when I cry to you. I need to know that you're there. So you've proven yourself already to me numerous times in my life. but the false gods have only proven that they're not trustworthy. So you get my praise today. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for the life that you give me. And Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, y'all may be seated as we watch Tom take a step of baptism.
Good morning. I want to echo what Pastor Andy's talking about. Who wants to subvert this culture? Does anybody? Or everybody likes it as it is? So I think that the best way to peacefully undermine this depraved society we have is to probably raise a good family, live peaceably with your neighbors, and support your local church. That is the most punk rock gangsta thing you can do. You guys want to be punk rock like me? Look at me. That's what it is these days. All right? So um, let that be a little bit of encouragement. Rather than putting your trust in anything else that this culture will provide or tell you that will change it, the only thing that will change it is God. And it may not be a material manifestation. It may just be the characteristics of Christ that develop in you and grow something beautiful in our community. So that's my challenge to you. That's, this is the way that we give at our church. Uh, we have, oh, do I have it memorized? Here we go. <laughs> we have our, our mailbox outside. We have our giving box in the lobby. Uh, we also have a website, newlifeastoria.com, and our church center app. And we thank you very much for your faithfulness. I'm going to pray over our tithes and offerings. Father, this is not just our duty, but our, um, our acts of faith. This is our a way to rebel, rebel against this fleshly world and to actually do something of faith. Lord, we support your kingdom. We know that we are just, we are lowly ambassadors of heaven. And we want to represent you well. Please accept these tithes and offerings as acts of love. Father, we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to have a baptism here soon. Just wait a minute. Uh, one sec. Everybody, this is Tom.
Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this day. Lord, uh, please remember Tom with his, uh, his act of faith. Father, he has shown to the people in this community that he has accepted Jesus as his king. He knows that his salvation comes from your grace. Y'all have a good day. Don't forget your kids. It's only 11 o'clock, so you got a lot of time left in your day. So love y'all. God bless.